0: There's a problem that's grown up in most of my favorite genres. If it doesn't involve epic battles, heroes, and flawed characters, then it's not really a valid story. Let's talk about that on today's Project Shadow. Hello, everyone. How are you doing today? My name's Charlie. You might know me better as sci-fi fantasy writer C.E. Dorset, especially if you're reading my new book, Crucify My Love, which is available in most stores now. At least it should be. Or if you're reading my sort of new book, The Chain, both of which you can find over at ProjectShadow.com. So yeah, today we're going to be going after some of the big hitters and some of the problems that it leaves for the rest of us. But before we get started, if you haven't already, please take a moment to rate this podcast in whatever app you're listening to me on. It really does help out a lot. It tells the algorithms to share the podcast with more people, and the more people listen, the bigger the community, the bigger the community, the better chance we have of hanging out with one another. And after all, that's why I do this. So thank you to everybody who's already done that. Okay. So yeah, I can see how you might think that I'm taking on everything here because be it Lord of the Rings or Star Wars or what have you, these have kind of become the staples of science fiction and fantasy to the point where I'm sure at least a couple of you are going, well, can't. Can you tell a story without them? And others of you are laughing at me and pointing out various works, either in text or movies, that don't include these tropes. But I'm not here to argue that you can't get away with not including these elements in your story. What I'm here to say is they've become so ubiquitous that they're hurting the genre as a whole. And when I say the genre, I mean all of speculative fiction, whatever genre you like. I'm going to save flawed characters for later, because that's a whole thing in and of itself. But I'm going to start with this idea of perpetual warfare, that for something to be epic, it has to involve grand armies facing off against one another, and the stakes... Have to be an entire world or the galaxy. The stakes have to be really high, and we have to keep building higher and higher and bigger and bigger stakes. And my question is, do we? I mean, there's this intrinsic problem that invades all speculative fiction, and that's power creep. Once you create a big bad villain. Well, you have to create a bigger bad villain if you're going to continue the story. And because franchises and shared universes are all the rage, in fact, I'm writing in them too. Yeah, how do you keep one up in yourself? This is one of the reasons why I think a lot of people were so frustrated with The Last Jedi. Because whoever Kylo Ren turned out to be, and whoever... Snoke, still don't like that name, turned out to be, they had to be bigger and badder than Vader and Palpatine. And so, and spoilers for The Last Jedi if you somehow haven't been spoiled yet or haven't seen it, but when Kylo Ren just kills Snoke, just boof, dead, it made a lot of people feel robbed because... We've gotten so used to this idea that in the sequel series, the villain has to be so much worse. And you can even see this building in Star Wars. Senator Palpatine and Count Dooku, they're bad guys. But they're nowhere near as bad guys as Emperor Palpatine and Darth Vader. So you expect Snoke and his new Vader kylo ren to just be like super ultimate bad guys and you can also see this with jj's unconscionable decision to create a bigger badder death star and star killer base to the point where he felt he had to include a line in the force awakens that it's i wish it were a death star it's so much bigger yeah okay um that's the problem it's it's power creep you get used to this idea of the next villain has to be bigger and better and when you read this sort of truth books this to me is what kind of destroys them because richard versus dark and rawl that's really cool but now we have to have an enemy that's even greater than dark and rawl and you see what i'm saying and the power creep gets to a point where the stories don't make sense anymore Because the next bad guy has to be bigger and badder than the last one. Why can't they just be different? I I I really mean that. To me, the brilliance in the difference between the prequel trilogy and the original trilogy is Palpatine is dangerous because he's conniving. He's political. He's maneuvering everything in the background. He's playing chess while everybody else is off playing sabak, not even realizing there's a chess game going on. And that's what makes him so dangerous in the prequels. By the time you get to the original series, what makes him even scarier is he's consolidated his power. The Empire itself seems indestructible. It seems undefeatable. And that... Allows Vader to just be so terrifying And the idea that they would build two Death Stars Even though the first Death Star really didn't amount to anything I mean, it destroyed Alderaan Which really didn't, like, help the Emperor in any way But of course, yeah, sure Let's take all the resources and build the second one Because, reasons Yeah But in there, it's the power, it's the clutching and holding on to power and suppressing any challenge to his authority that makes him frightening. So we get to the sequel trilogy and Snoke is following in the same lines. He somehow came to power. We missed that part of the story and maybe one day they'll eventually tell it to us. And now he's so desperate to hold on to power, he's repeating the same mistakes that Palpatine did in building another Death Star, but it's a much bigger Death Star because it's made out of an entire planet, and it pulls in the power of an entire star, so it can go boom boom through hyperspace, apparently, and destroy entire star systems. Boom, boom, boom. Okay, bigger, better Death Star. Yeah. How did that? It got one shot off and was destroyed. It's Alderaan and the original Death Star all over again. It didn't help anyone. But it's bigger. It's more powerful. See, where Alderaan was destroyed, just one star system was destroyed, Starkiller Base, it destroyed all the main worlds of the New Republic in one shot because it's that powerful. For all the flaws that the extended universe had, and there were many, and whether or not you liked the Yuzhong Vong or not, the idea that they were able to end the Galactic Civil War, that it was able to end, it was over. Yeah, the Imperial Remnant still existed, and yeah, they were still a bit of a problem, but they weren't the main enemies anymore. We weren't fighting stormtroopers anymore. So that new enemies could arise that were different. And Darth Kytus was such an interesting villain. I don't know if you ever read the le- that was Legacy of the Force, seven books worth your time, even though they're legends. You should definitely read them. <laughs> really good. But he's a very interesting villain because he's different. Yeah, he's a Dark Lord of the Sith and all of that, and yeah, we get to see Lumaya again and dot dot dot. But he's not Vader. And he's not Palpatine. In fact, he learns from their mistakes. And becomes his own kind of threat. And sure, of course, because it's a Star Wars, he got his own Death Star-like thing in the Corellian system. Where he could yank planets out of their orbit and cause all kinds of chaos and problems and dot dot dot. But he was his own kind of villain. He was a different kind of villain. He was different, yet the same. And he became a much more interesting character because he was a character we met under other circumstances. We watched him fall. We understood the reasons he fell. And we saw how dangerous he could be when he was a hero and how dangerous he was as a villain. The new canon in rejecting this idea that there was peace and that a new villain could arise gives us. Stormtroopers 2.0 It gives us the Emperor 2.0 and locks us in perpetual war that's not different from what preceded it. This is why the J.J. Abrams Star Trek movies didn't work because they were Star Wars movies. See, those Star Trek has never relied on, even during the Dominion War, never relied on this idea of perpetual warfare. They didn't have to constantly be fighting Drama and interesting characters could come from anywhere. And then, the flawed characters. Yeah, I get the idea that Kirk, Spock, and McCoy may have been too perfect, though I disagree. Kirk was rash and able to get very angry and distracted. He almost lost the Enterprise to Khan in Star Trek II because his own ego got in the way of procedure and what he should have done. He was a flawed character, and I have no problems with that. Spock was a flawed character. His reliance on logic sometimes failed him, where you get to the point in Star Trek VI where he admits to Savick. I'm sorry, it wasn't Savick, it was Valor... (laughs) That logic is the beginning of wisdom, not the end. And that's a lesson he had to learn. Flawed characters are interesting because they're not always perfect. They do make mistakes, and those mistakes make the stories more interesting. Yes, got it. There's a difference between having flawed characters and terminally broken characters. And this is where flawed characters have gone. Because it's power creep, it's the same power creep we were talking about with Perpetual Warfare, but on the character scale. And here's where we talk about Game of Thrones, and spoilers for the last season of Game of Thrones if it hasn't somehow already been spoiled for you or you haven't seen it already. Jaime Lannister was a very interesting character, an extremely flawed character, and I would never say at any point a good guy. They set up a very interesting, morally ambiguous redemption plot for him, where he wasn't really a good person, but for the first time, through his relationship with Brienne, he wanted to be. And he could see, we could see, the reason he did the terrible things that he had done. We understood him. And he could have ended up in a very interesting, even if flawed place. His relationship with Brienne would not have been perfect. It wouldn't have been a fairy tale romance if that was allowed to happen. But because these characters were treated as imminently broken. They weren't just flawed. They were broken. He had to go back. He had to leave Brienne. They have a one-night stand for reasons beyond my understanding. And then he goes back to Cersei. Why? Because he's so broken. He says as much before he goes back. And he says as much to her before they die. He's just broken. We see this with Daenerys. She's just broken. And because they didn't take the time to break her prior to the season... They had to rush and do everything they could to show how she gets broken in this season and display her as a broken character. The same with Jon Snow. The same with every character. They're broken. They're unfixable. They're irredeemable. And that is incredibly problematic. Because it's so deterministic. A good person will always be a good person. A bad person will always be a bad person. But, oh, (laughs) by the way, there are no good people. We're going to completely rule out the idea of there being good people because that would make them uninteresting and they have to have a flaw. And that flaw has to be that they are so immensely broken that they'll never, ever have a chance of being well, Or even a little bit better. And you can see this flaw running throughout so much modern science fiction and fantasy. That it's just heartbreaking. We can't have characters that we care about because they're just broken. They're irredeemably broken. They'll never be put back together. Everybody is Humpty Dumpty. But there is hope that we're Finally, on the other end of this. Because we went through this cycle before in the 1970s. Throughout the 70s, our characters were either irrepressible heroes or irredeemably broken people. And that dichotomy is so droll and boring that it eventually burns itself out. And I think we're at a point where it's burnt out because you have shows like The Expanse, which A lot of people that I talk to don't know what to do with it because these are characters that are damaged. They're not cookie-cutter heroic in any way, shape, or form. But things can get better. Things can be fixed. And they can redeem their actions. It's not always easy. It's painful. And they show that. They exhibit that through the narrative and through the text. But that makes the moral questions so much more palpable in a show like The Expanse. Because we know they're not irredeemably broken. And we know that they're not knights in shining armor. Knights in shining armor riding in on their white horses to save the day. You have to take in their history and the circumstances leading to the event to try to figure out what's going to happen next. It makes for a much more complex narrative and much more complex characters. What are they going to do? What's going to happen next? It's hard to, it's hard to speculate because we're not allowing the inevitable power creep that usually comes into science fiction to happen in this show. And it, that makes it wonderful. Think about it. A lot of science fiction when the Mars-Earth War kind of started a bit, would have escalated and escalated and escalated. And when the alien thing did the alien thing, oh, there would have been an invasion, now there's a third front, and are the other two going to be able to get together? No, because they're irredeemably violent against each other, and dot, dot, dot. What are our ragtag heroes going to do? But No. At each point, new choices are made, new options are taken. Hard, pieces, hard piece is won. It may not be permanent, it may not be lasting, but none of that matters. We're not stuck in a perpetual cycle. People are allowed to grow, they're allowed to change, they're allowed to develop. None of the characters are the same as they were in the first season. None of them. Their growth, their development, their change has all come out of their experience of the narrative. Some are more broken than they were before. Others are more themselves and better off than they were in the first season because they found a home. And that is where good drama comes from. So yeah, I guess the moral of the story I'm trying to get to is more shows should be like The Expanse and less should be like Game of Thrones or even my beloved Star Wars. Because this is what's destroyed Star Trek. It has to be about perpetual war. Every season has involved a war of some of some kind so far. And each time they've gotten more and more powerful. And all of the characters are so broken that they're irredeemable. It falls into both of these tropes And it's one of the reasons Star Trek Discovery Has not developed a huge audience Because we're not seeing the characters change Hopefully They'll fix that in Season 3 I hold out hope But it looks like they didn't Because it looks like they're going to do to Picard What they've done to everybody else And he's going to be irredeemably broken And we're going to get a series based on that Because of course we are Anywho Long live the expanse. That's all I got to say. And hopefully it stays good now that Amazon has it. Anywho, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I'd like to know what you thought. You can hit me up either on Twitter or Instagram. I'm C.E. dorset on both. Or you can go into the show notes and click the voice message button. You can use that to give me any questions, comments, or topics you'd like to hear discussed on the show. Love to hear from you. That'd be awesome. If you haven't already, please take a moment to rate this podcast on whatever app you're listening to me on. If you've got a buck you can throw my way, it really would mean a lot to me, especially right now. (laughs) In the show notes, you'll find a link to both my Patreon and the community support tab. Difference between the two is uh, people on Patreon occasionally get stuff. Thank you to everybody who already does that. And thank you for even considering it if you're considering it. If you don't have any money right now or you don't feel like joining the project, that's fine. Don't worry about it. That's awesome. Just if you think you know somebody who might like this podcast, do share it with them. That does help out a lot. Yeah, I've got a lot of stuff going on. I'm very excited for the future. I hope you are happy that we're back to the daily podcast that I know so many of you wanted If you want me to keep up the daily grind, though, it really would be nice to get some of those comments and story ideas that you want me to discuss. Because it's a lot of work doing this five days a week. Until next time, don't forget to have the fun. Bye.